So glad that you're here this morning. I am excited. Man, we've sung a lot of songs about heaven. Uh, last Sunday, I, I believe it was last Sunday, my topic was we are not home yet. And uh, Steve had picked out a number of songs about heaven. And I promised that I was going to preach on that someday. Uh, but then Monday morning came, Tuesday, and I was trying to go a, another direction. But heaven, the thought of heaven just kept, kept sucking me back in. And I just couldn't let go of it. I mean, it just got a hold of me. So I thought, we're going to preach about heaven. Um, I prepared some thoughts, and uh, long about maybe Thursday afternoon, I began to sort of preach through those in my mind, and it took me about 48 minutes to preach it. Um, I thought that might be a little too long. Some of you might, uh, there might be a mutiny on our hands if I actually preach that long. But now, having experienced what we've experienced up to this moment in time, I can see that it is 11.04. Um, so I'm just going to set the table this morning, okay? We're just going to set the table. I was afraid that that might happen, uh, but it seems that we've maybe kind of gone longer than normal, which is fine with me. I got no problem with it, and I could preach to you for an hour um, but I'm not going to do that this morning. I think we're just going to set the table concerning heaven, uh, and then you'll have to come back next week. See, this is my shameless plug. You'll have to come back next week for us to finish out this idea and these thoughts about heaven. What I want you to do this morning is to set your mind on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, and not set your mind on things below, things here on the earth. You know, the afterlife seems to have made a comeback of sorts. Um, I think there were many years where a lot of folks didn't think much about the afterlife, and even some Christians thought, well, that's just so far away in the future that it's not really worth thinking about. But the most recent Gallup uh, poll that I could come up with uh, from a few years ago concerning religious things says that 70% of the American public believes in a heaven. 70%. 64% believe that there is a hell. 64%. And, and these may be people that have no religious affiliation whatsoever. But 70% will acknowledge that there's a heaven, 64% will acknowledge that there is a hell. And I think for some, uh, heaven is sort of, you know, a, a Christianized version of um, Dorothy's Oz. Uh, it's, it's, it's that some kind of far-off fantasy land that's, that exists, but it, it's somewhere over the rainbow, that's sort of where our, our thoughts are. And so we're flooded with a lot of questions. You know, where is heaven? What's it going to be like? Will I recognize people? What will we look like? How old will we be in heaven? I've heard some people ask, uh, will we recognize one another in heaven? I can't imagine spending eternity in heaven with people that I don't even recognize. 
But I want you to know this morning that heaven is a glorious place. And this morning I want us to think about heaven. I want us to set our minds, to set our hearts, to set our affections on things above and not on things below. So as we start, we do a little bit of investigative work. We start at the very beginning of the Bible, and you haven't read very far until you come to Genesis chapter 5. And here we read about a man by the name of Enoch. A man by the name of Enoch. He is uh, one of two people that never died. I mean, at least as far as we know. Uh, what the Bible tells us. One of two people that never died. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God and was no more, for God took him. God took him. And I think to myself, that's awesome. That's awesome. Where did God take him? I want to know. But it doesn't tell us. The Bible just says God took him. So we go on, we read some more, we come to the book of Job. And Job asks this age-old question. If a man dies, will he live again? It, it, it's rhetorical in nature. We assume the answer. But I think, okay, where? If, if he's going to live again after death, where is that? What's it like? But again, no information is given. The best known psalm of all, the 23rd Psalm, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, he leadeth me beside the still waters. You remember how it closes? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will, what? Dwell in the house of the Lord. And I think to myself, we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's amazing. David, what's it like? Give us some more information about it. But he doesn't. And so you read the Old Testament and there are a number of hints and there are promises of the afterlife and dwelling in the house of the Lord forever, but details, details are just not there. And so we come to the New Testament. Start reading about what Jesus has to say. And Jesus talked a lot about heaven. He talked often about heaven. You remember how that Jesus would sometimes motivate his followers uh, to remain faithful even in the midst of very difficult uh, times, difficult situations and circumstances? He would say something like, great is your reward in heaven. Great is going to be your reward in heaven. Jesus spoke often about heaven and hell. But you know, interestingly enough, Jesus was a lot more descriptive about hell than he ever was of heaven. Perhaps the best known statement by Jesus on heaven is found in John chapter 14. 
when he was speaking to those who were closest to him. Literally, these are just hours before Jesus is going to be arrested and executed. He says these words, the word of the Lord. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Now, some of you know this uh, passage from the King James Version. The King James Version says, In my Father's house are many mansions. That's where we get a lot of our songs from. Uh, I think we're going to close with a song. I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. And so we've gotten this idea that when we get to heaven, everybody's going to get their own mansion, right? I'm going to get a mansion. Rob's going to get a mansion. Everybody's going to get a mansion, right? Literally, uh, in the original language, what it says is, In my Father's house are many dwelling places, many abodes. The NIV says, In my Father's house are many rooms. You know, I think sometimes we're, we're, we're so individualistic in our society. Everybody goes to their own home. We lift up the garage door, we pull in, we close it, and, and we don't know our neighbors. We don't even know who's around us. And I think we have this idea when, when we get to heaven, everybody's going to get a big mansion. But the idea that Jesus is wanting to convey to his closest followers is, is that God's got a big, big house. And we're all going to be part of that. We're all going to live together. We're all going to be family. We're going to love each other. Jesus says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back. And I'm going to take you to be where I am. Let me ask you this. When you travel, do you make reservations in advance? Do you do that? One time years ago, I had just joined um, a cappella, traveling singing group. There were three of us at the time. And uh, when you're kind of an upstart, young, fledgling group, you're always looking for people to help out, people to help support you, to sort of undergird that ministry so that you can know that you can have the funds to keep going. That's very, very important. There was a... Uh, a brother in Christ out in Atlanta, he, he had a little bit of money, ha had a lot of money. And so um, we were going to go pay him a visit. We had set up a time to come and to meet with him uh, to talk about him helping support our, our ministry. We had worked, we were in the studio, we had been recording music all day long, and uh, at the end of the day, it was already starting to get, to get dark. We decided we would, we would head out uh, on our way to Atlanta, and we would just drive uh, as far as we could, and then we would look for a place um, to stop for the night. And then we'd get up the next morning, drive the rest of the way in time for our meeting. 
It was winter time. It was cold. We got in the car. We were tired, and we didn't drive, but, you know, three or four hours, five hours, and we were, we were getting really tired. And so we began to look, and, you know, this exit, nothing, and drive a little ways more, this exit, nothing. Finally, we saw some neon off in the distance, and we were like, please, please. So we, we pulled off, and there it was, the Cascade Motel. Anybody ever heard of the Cascade Motel? I didn't think so. We get out, we go in, we open the little door to the lobby, and there's this, you know, plexiglass thing, and we banged on it, banged on it, and nobody came, bang, 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 and then finally, finally a guy came. Uh, he was not a local guy. Uh, he had come from some foreign country, and there was, you know, a little barrier there with the, with the, the language, but he understood that we wanted two rooms. Uh, so we gave him the money, he gave us the keys, we went out to the room, we got in, turned on the heat, no heat, it was freezing, so Bill and I go out and we go back to the front desk, bang, 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 this time he never came back, never came back, so we went back, we slept in our clothes, it was so cold, we slept in our clothes. I remember having a hoodie on, put my hoodie up and covered up and just had my face, you know, just breathing the air, trying to stay warm. But my save, the saving grace was I knew come tomorrow morning I'm going to take the hottest shower that I can ever take, warm up, and then I'm just going to throw these, you know, clothes back on them as we leave. Guess what? No hot water. So I get prepared to take a shower, and then it's freezing and the cold water. Not a good, not a good scene. Uh, when you travel, it's good to have reservations that you've made in advance so that you've got that confirmation number in your wallet. You know where you're staying, and you kind of have an idea of, of what it's like or what it's going to be like. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. He says, I've got a room for you. I've got a room that's waiting for you. And I'm coming back for you. That where I am, you may be also. And I say, Jesus, tell us a little bit more about it. Give us some information. But, but he doesn't. He doesn't tell us any more. So I read on, read on in the Bible, we come to Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul, he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And I think, okay, great, reveal it. But he doesn't. I go on. To 2 Corinthians chapter 4. These are some verses that we read last week that sort of sparked the sermon today. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning of verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us 
an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You know, sometimes we come to church, we sing our songs, we gather around the table, we spend some time opening the Word of God together, and then we think about Monday morning, having to get up and go back to work, and we say, man, you know, Sunday was great, church was good, but now it's time to go back to the, to the real world, right? Have you ever heard anybody say that? Maybe you said that yourself. You know, we, we, we love this fellowship, we love this time, but, but you know, come tomorrow morning, I got to get back to the real world. Let me tell you what, and I told you this last week, if you can see it, touch it, hear it, taste it right now, it is less real, less real than that which you cannot see or cannot touch or cannot taste. If you are trading your time and your energy, energy, energy and your life for things that you can see and touch now, <laughs> that's, that's just not a good trade. That is not a good trade. We keep reading. We read this last week, chapter 5 and verse 1, 2 Corinthians. Now we know that if the earthly tent, is, the earthly tent we live in is destroyed... We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Life here, life here is like, is like living in a pup tent. You know, if you went out and you bought a piece of land, you wanted to live on that land, um, you spend all this money on this land, you don't just go put a pup tent on it and live there. You plan on building a house, right? You're going to live there. A pup tent uh, is like a weekend camping trip. It, it, it's not going to last forever, thank goodness. <laughs> it's just temporary, right? When you, when you buy some property, you're going to build. And see, that's what Paul says. Life here. It's like living in a pup tent because we have something better, a building built by God, not made with human hands. He says, heaven is your house. This body is just your pup tent. So here's what I want to affirm to us today. Heaven is not an illusion. Heaven is a real place. And as we experience pain and discomfort, suffering, uh, maybe persecution, even death, for some of you that have come from a broken home, maybe some of you are still experiencing a broken home, for people who live in fear, you need to hear again the promise that there is coming a life that is far longer and far more substantial than this life. A life of wholeness, a life of pleasure, 
without fear, without any barriers in your relationship to God. Heaven is not an illusion. Now, the Bible um, never belittles our experiences. The Bible never denies our pain. It never denies our suffering. It never denies that we go through, through loss and hurt. But it adds one key word. Temporary. It's just temporary. It's not going to last forever. And so, we keep reading. Probably one of the more intriguing passages in all of the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is where Paul, Paul is speaking, beginning in, in the first verse, chapter 12. Paul says, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. Notice verse 2. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. When Paul says, I know a man, I think he's talking about himself. He, he's gone through all of this boasting, not because he wants to, but because he has to with the Corinthians to make the point he's trying to make. And he says, I, you know, I can go on to visions and revelations and talk about those things. And now he says, I know a man. Have you ever... Have you ever done that where you ask a question and you say, um, I have a friend who would like to know this or that, and what you're really talking about is, is you, right? <laughs> you ever done that? Well, I have a friend who would like to you know, know about, and what you're really wanting is the information for you. I think that's what Paul's doing here. When he says, I know a man, I believe he's talking about himself. I could be wrong, but I might be right. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. Paul says this man was caught up to the third heaven. He says, whether it was literally or in a vision, he says, I don't know, but I was caught up to the third heaven. Now, what that means is the third heaven. The first heaven is, is where the birds fly, okay, up in the heavens. The second heaven is where the stars are, the sun, the moon, the stars. That's the second heaven. The third heaven, you know where that is? That's where God lives. That's where God dwells. And he says, I was caught up, whether in reality or whether it was just a vision, I don't know, God knows. But he says, I was caught up to the third heaven. And I think, woo, now we're going to get a bird's eye view, right? 
Now we're going to get a guy that's been sitting in the catbird seat, and he's going to tell us exactly what heaven is like. But notice what he says next. He said, I saw things that it was not permitted for me to share. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? Here we got a guy that just has seen into the portals of heaven. And he said, I saw inexpressible things that was not permitted for me to share. I think God gave, I think God gave Paul um, a special insight into heaven. Because you know what? At the beginning of Paul's ministry, God told him how much he was going to have to suffer for the kingdom. And that's not payback. That's not payback for all that, that, that Paul had done when he persecuted Christians. But it was just reality. When you speak up and when you stand up for Jesus Christ, the world is not going to like it. People are not going to take that sitting down. And I believe Paul had to suffer so much for Christ that God gave him a glimpse of heaven. And he said, I saw things that I can't even tell you. It's not permitted for me to share. Oh, I'm <laughs> I feel like I'm just getting started this morning. But I know if I keep going from this point on, we're going to reach the point of no return. And I'm going to keep preaching until at least noon. Please come back next week. I want, to, I want to share with you some things that I've found in Scripture that we have so much to look forward to. Will you this week set your heart, set your mind, and your affections on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father? Don't get caught up in the here and the now, on the things below. But I really want you to, to think about Jesus. To turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. And I guarantee you, if you'll do that, that the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Let's bow and pray. Father God, we love you. Father, I lift my hands to you this morning because you are, you're such an awesome God. King of kings, Lord of lords. God, there is no other God like you in heaven above or earth below. You are the only true and living God. And Father, we have come to this place to gather in the name of Jesus to worship you this morning. You alone are worthy of our praise. Father, we are so excited and anxious about the thought of heaven, the thought of being in your presence and seeing your face and living forever. Father, help us to set our minds on things above and not on things below.
Thank you for Jesus, and we pray in his strong and mighty name. Amen. If you need something this morning, if you need the prayers of the church, if you need to come, um, that's why we're here. We would love to pray with you, to pray over you. Please be in prayer for uh, Doral and Kathy. Um, we have totally misquoted the scriptures when we say that God doesn't put more on you than you can handle. That is not what the scripture says. You'll never find it there. I will fight you toe-to-toe when it comes to that. Paul said that we experience things that we, it was too hard for us to bear. And I think that that's exactly where Doral and Kathy are. Um, just all at once, stuff's piled up on them. Um, they're coming back tomorrow after burying their son-in-law. Kathy lost her sister. Now she has breast cancer. Um, we need to pray. I, I want you guys to remember them in prayer. Can we just pray for them right now? They've been on my heart so much. Men, I, you know, when I was growing up, the old men would, would take a knee and bow. Would you bow on your knee with me if you can? If, if you can't get up for an hour, then don't do it. But if you, if you can, let's, I want to bow on the knee and let's lift up Doral and Kathy in our prayers. Oh, God, we love you. Father, Doral and Kathy have been on my heart this week. What a burden they're carrying, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually, Father. I know Doral is, is struggling. He said he's, 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 being de- he's depressed. Father, the evil one is, is all around them, and physically. Our precious sister now is struggling with, with breast cancer, Father. It's just it's too much. It's too much. Would you bless them? Would you help us encourage them? Surround them with love. So that when they come home tomorrow, they'll know that this family, this body here, is here for them. We will continue to be here for them. Father, we love you. Thank you for hearing our prayer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.